Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello, friends. Welcome back to another episode of What's the Point? We are back with a bang. We have spoken to Victoria Karam, who is a superstar. She's a trans activist, badass, porn producing, political wave maker, beauty queen, multilingual adventurer. Um, And I'm super excited to uh, introduce you to her. Um, Before I go on, I wanted to let you know that I have got a newsletter out. Uh, It's called What For's Top Four, and I'll be sharing my top four pieces of content. So, I don't know, it could be four podcasts on defund the police. Obviously, a really interesting topic with a lot of interesting things to be said by people who know a lot more than me. It might be a piece of art that I found on Instagram that I think you guys might like. So, whatever it is... I think it's pretty cool stuff. So if you are interested, please do follow the link in my Instagram bio, get in touch with me by whatever means you can find. I'm on Facebook, I'm on Insta, at what for podcast and I'd love to hear from you. I'd always love to hear from you. So if there's any comments you wanna share about this show, another show, or a new idea you've got for me to try out on my podcast, then please do get in touch. Without further ado, uh, let's, Listen to what the lovely Victoria Karam has to say. How do I introduce you? Well, you can introduce me as Victoria Karam, an Argentinian warrior, a fighter for human rights, an advocate for the good quality of life of transgender people. I don't know. This is me. Also, I'm a dancer, I'm a producer, and I am a human being. Okay, so we'll, we'll start with human being. So you, so you don't want to talk about porn? That is, that is very human. <laughs> no, I'm making fun of it because every time I introduce myself, I can say, I don't know, I am a civil engineer, I, I build uh, the Twin Towers, and they will stop to me and say, so do you have a dick? So, well, so how is your life uh, producing porn? Like, if I was only that, you know? It's just embarrassing, the sort of lack of imagination people have, or lack of, uh, I don't know, a more sensitive way of connecting. Exactly. Because this is what we are for. We are an object. Uh, We are uh, a fetish. Some parts I can understand, because if it wasn't for porn... We wouldn't be either a fantasy or a fetish, you know? But we are much more than that. We can do so much more. And after this corona outbreak, we realize as a collective how capable we are of self-organize ourselves in order to survive. 90% of us are sex workers. The girls uh, cannot work. They cannot have access to food, pay her house, the regular things, you know, even uh, clean products. So how they suppose us to survive if we cannot uh, have our good hygiene, you know, in our houses and ourselves? 
Sorry, I, I go, <laughs> this is my HDAD. <laughs> Can you tell us what's Mistranstar? Mistranstar International is the most prestigious and most important uh, transgender beauty pageant in Europe and one of the biggest in the world. They are not only beautiful, but also they have to be the smartest, the best of their kind. People think it's a shallow contest, but this has to do with uh, a tradition. It's the dream of every transgender kid one day become a princess to empower a transgender woman so the upcoming generations don't have to overcome all this violence and hostile universe we live. So this is the Mr. Star International. Thank you. <laughs> ah, it was me. I was possessed by a mist. <laughs> that was that was that was a that was a real beauty queen speech. I love it, baby. What do you think I am, the executive director of the pageant? Because I'm pretty? No, I, I am the most intelligent bitch I ever met. <laughs> okay, now I'm gonna ask you the more sort of spiritual hippie questions. Whether we're religious or not, we all have a story that we tell ourselves that we put our faith in and from which we find meaning. And yes. I was wondering, what's what's the story that you grew up with? I got a um, very strange story with uh, religion. I am half Jewish have Orthodox uh, Christian Lebanese uh, family too. I was raised with examples of the Judaism, but one of my grandma, I was very close to her, uh, and she was very, very uh, Christian, you know? So I know both sides. I've always been a very curious person. The first thing that I did as a kid was try to explain with religion. So this was my first shocking moment because I couldn't. I couldn't explain it, you know? I want physical proofs. First of all, I wanted a physical proofs which religion is the truth one. When you listen one parent do their religion and the other parent the other religion, one is always fighting with the other which faith is going to rule in the house. I realized that both of them were shit to me because they both said very nice uh, stories in the theory, but in the practice, they are an hypocrite. Not because of my gender identity, of my sexuality, but how we treat the other. Uh, I got my, my Christian grandmother. She was with the cross all day long, put it on her chest and say, sorry, God, I've seen, sorry, God, I've seen, praying in the rosary. And I don't know how many thousand times a day. And once she finished, she went to the church. She seated on the first line and she was gossiping to my aunt. Can you believe how she come he dressed? Oh my God, I heard that the, uh, her husband is cheating. And one day I looked to my grandma and said, Grandma, what's the point with this? You are eating a saint and you are shitting a devil. 
<laughs> I was appointed that I was upset with religion, so I declared myself agnostic because I didn't have proof enough. So my mom looked at me and said, okay, for me it's very uh, hard what you are saying, but it will come a day, God will show you his power, and then you will redeem. Then, in a moment of my life, when they kicked me out from my house for being trans, I tried to look for hope or for understanding in the Christian church. I was crying in the middle of the street Friday morning, and I get into a Christian church and try to confess. And this pure of soul priest told me that I was the, an abomination, that I was the son of the devil. That was the first time I experienced the feeling of end my life, you know? Because I couldn't understand uh, how I was something negative, how I was uh, something diabolic. I know my inside, and I know that my inside is full of love to the other people, to the environment, to the animals, to everything. I am made by love because this is how my parents raised me. You are a son of love because we look for you so much. I couldn't understand why a person of religion was telling me this. Then I went a, a few years later to move to, to Israel by the law of return. I went to look for a shelter, but to go to Israel, I needed that my rabbi sign all these papers. <laughs> and you know what he said to me? Good luck to find one that will sign a transgender paper. <laughs> I went to the Domo, and there was a, a huge queue to confess. So then I said, okay, I will give it a try. And I, I made the queue. And I confessed myself in, and I wasn't in Spanish. I was in Italian, <laughs> because the Spanish was a terrible cue to get all the Latins were there. <laughs> so then I went, and for the first time, I got a very good talk with a Christian priest. The first thing he told me is, of course God loves you. Of course you are her, her daughter. You are. You, you was made for him. And you are a product of his love. And that day, I not become Christian, of course, but I realized that they are human beings like us. So they also can make mistakes. Everyone interpreted God and religion at their own way, according to their own scale of values. I know that I don't have to kill anybody, that I don't have to rob that I have to do everything to help the one in need, to the most vulnerable person, I have to be just next to them. And I have to listen to the people that is in pain and to give food to the ones that don't have. doesn't matter if this is my last piece of bread. I don't know what religion is that, but I will be like this all my life. This is, uh, in this, the only thing in my life that I walk straight ahead. To all the rest, I'm always like in a zigzag. In my values, I am always there for everyone. Doesn't matter, my life is in risk. 
I don't care. I can prostitute my body, but I will never prostitute my ideals. What keeps you, what recharges you? What keeps your strength? What, what keeps your faith? The hope of a better tomorrow for people like me. I know I'm not going to have children, so I cannot say for my sons, but just for the pe next people of me, these free souls as me that don't need to identify by a binary system what we are, we are just us. And of course, I have an omnificent God that takes care of every step I do because I don't have other way to explain how I survive. And most of my friends didn't, you know? I am a survivor as I start this conversation. I survived the discrimination. I survived high school, primary school, that is a very hostile place for a kid. I survived the HIV, the mafia of human trafficking. I survived a lot of things. It is in my essence to stand up very fast when I fall. And this is what most transgender people got. But in me, I am like blessed, really, because I've seen my life end so many times when you thought, this is your last second. This is my, my, my engine, you know? Work for yeah. that child that once I was, and if it wasn't for all that corrupted system, I would be uh, much healthier, I think, in my mind. I think that this is a pattern in all the transgender people. Something that Miss Netherland said to me was was that trans women are are born activists because of of the trauma that they that they exactly. live through, and and that that what make, that's what makes them keep pushing forward. Exactly, we we was born like that. So most of us are outspoken activists. All the ones from their silence, they do their thing, but in other kind of way more passive, but they are activists anyway. And, and what does it feel like to, because, I mean, you have thousands of followers on Instagram and, and you have your own uh, fame and your own stage. What does that feel like to almost uh, counterbalance the times that society tried to shut you up? Well, no matter how much fame I have, how many followers I have, when they want to make an injustice to me or to my collective, they do it anyway and with all the impunity. Maybe it's a little bit easier to have a, my own platform. I got around 60 or 70,000, which is a lot. I can, be, I can run for a politic, I think, and I will win. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Victoria for mayor. We are about ages to have a transgender woman, a city mayor or something. <laughs> Do you feel like things are going forward? I mean, there's so much hate and division right now in history. There has been always hatred powered by re re religion. This is nothing new. And also the Romans did with the Christians, with the Jewish, and, and everybody that got the power tried to put their faith first. 
Right? Yeah, of course. Why people don't make porno a religion? <laughs> Then maybe, maybe, maybe people will be happier. <laughs> exactly. Maybe I, I, I am declared a god. <laughs> <laughs> god, it wouldn't be the Virgin Victoria, but it would no, be the God. Sure not. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, and what, what is your greatest success? Like personally, in yourself? My first big success was becoming executive director of Mr. Star International. Mm. Because it's like, finally, prepare myself and study so much. We, we haven't spoken about how, how your career developed. Where did you begin in pageantry? Oh, in pageantry. My first pageant was when I was 17 years old. Uh, I was the first Miss Tucuman gay, and actually I won. Uh, and I love it. I love it. And before, I never even watched Miss Universe or all these kind of things. Till that moment, I, I was playing rugby in Argentina. It was like, I don't know, I've never been even so feminine or that I like these girly things. I think what I loved the most was the competition. I'm very ambitious. You like winning? Yeah, of course. Who doesn't? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, but you know what? This is something terrible on me because when I don't get what I want or I fail, I don't forgive myself. And that's put me on a, on a very deep dep depression. <laughs> yeah, of course. It's a double-edged double sword. The good thing is that I never take myself for defeat. I always have untraditional methods. <laughs> I yeah. moved to Europe. I grew up. I got my first love, my first disappointment with love. Uh, I experienced for more than 10 years being a trans, actually. I lived the discrimination, the stigmatization, the criminalization in my own flesh. Before that... A part of me that found so superficial the beauty pageant, like why girls can't go there and expose themselves, what they can change from there. They all want the crown, blah, 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 and that's it. And then I realized in my own flesh that that was a huge platform for a transgender community because... The only news you heard from us is we are drug dealers, prostitutes, or killed. Do you remember when you realized that? So I was in a point in my life that I was about to remove my teeth and become a guy again. Because I didn't... I think I told you that I, I consider myself now uh, gender fluid. Since I came out as a gender fluid... Uh, yeah. I feel more comfortable with myself. I never wanted to be a woman. I don't want to be a woman, but I'm, I love femininity. I am very comfortable with my body just like it is. I don't have problem for my genitalia. Actually, I love to have it, you know? For me, I am blessed. Two genders in one body. I am a unique being that is blessed. This got me into a lot of conflict with myself because... I feel that I also, for the second time, I wasn't fit in there. But this is something new. I think like 10, 15 years ago, this is, 
it wasn't there. But maybe if it was there... And maybe there, this is progress. Maybe that's a victory of the trans community. Yes, of course it is. Of course it is. Yeah. Because if mm. you're not one thing by defect, you have to be the other. Now, okay, I cannot take back time and, and don't do the surgery. Maybe I'm smaller tits, but then I'm, I've always been super feminine and stylish. Yeah. It's clear. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's powerful. But so um, to go back to... Ah, why I said this? Um, because... Yeah, and, and why, why you saw the, the power... Yes, in- I started to participate and then I saw it how depressed were all they are making you questions. It was huge. I don't know if it's beauty is power. Of course it is. But for the press, it is also circus. So, yeah, I need to protect the girls because we are so unprotected in our daily routines that at least that seven days that I got the girls with me, I will do something for them. I feel my duty to look for their mental health just to say to that I am there, you know? Yeah. Because sometimes we don't have even our family to say, hey, if you need food, call me. And so what would you say to someone who struggles with their own gender? Like, what does gender even mean? Like, for example, like I uh, wear women's clothing and I occupy that space often, not to make this about me, but I have never seen myself as a man but i also know that i'm not a woman well that's (laughs) non-binary welcome welcome (laughs) (laughs) um yeah what would you say to to that experience the experience as a non-binary if i have to be honest this, uh, they always ask me this question when I go to uh, schools or to society in general. And I have to say, well, at the end, all this effort will be worth it. But if I have to talk with my heart, I would say to them, never do that. Never. The price is too high. It's too high. For be yourself, they kill you. For be yourself, you don't get a job. For be yourself, they will do all kind of violence against you and nobody will do nothing. So the price is too high. I don't know if you were expecting yeah. a different answer, but this is, is how I really think. Uh, yeah. I, and this makes me suffer a lot. This is why I always cry. I, I break in pieces for all of them. I don't have other other way. Because it makes me live again my childhood, my experience, and I consider myself privileged. Then I see sometimes that I was complaining from nothing, you know, because compared to a lot of, of girls that I listen, they are terrible things. Mine is like a Walt Disney story. Yeah. So this is also the Mr. Entire International. It's a safe space to release all these feelings. Because for you must be normal, go and talk about your life, your experience, but for us not. We are always silenced. So most of the girls occupy a very submissive place in their life. And that's why the pageant, the stage is a radical option. Exactly. And you see how the girls, uh, evolution 
from day one till seven because they yeah. are empowered 24 hours during seven days. Not only by us, by, by everything. I think that after the third day, the real competition starts. And then you see the girls, and that shows you that we can do everything we propose. It's just to make this first sparkle to light the fire. Yeah, and now the fire's burning. Yeah, the fire's burning. <laughs> Didn't I say she was great? Well, there you go. So I hope you really enjoyed that chat. And sorry, there may have been a few audio glitches. Such is life in the times of coronavirus, but um, that's where we're at. As ever, thank you so much. I'm always so grateful to you guys, my listeners, and anybody who takes the time out of their day to uh, chat to me and share a little bit of their lives with me. So tune in again soon for another episode. All my love, guys. Stay safe, stay happy, be well, take care of each other.